Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mike Hayes. Mike is the Chief Digital Transformation Officer of VMware, a California-based software company with annual revenues of roughly $11 billion. In this role, Mike leads VMware's worldwide business operations and the acceleration of its software as a service transformation. Mike is a former Navy SEAL and the author of the new book, Never Enough, a Navy SEAL Commander on Living a Life of Excellence, Agility, and Meaning. Prior to joining VMware, Mike was the Senior Vice President and Head of Strategic Operations at Cognizant and the Chief Operating Officer of Bridgewater. In this interview, we discuss the role technology plays in driving customer experience, VMware's SaaS transformation, and how Mike is unifying the company's technology and operations teams. We also discuss lessons Mike learned serving in the White House, the importance of honest feedback loops, his advice on how to effectively network, and a variety of other topics. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book is now available on Amazon. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book's available now on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. As a special offer to our CXO listeners, if you purchase 50 or more books for your team, I'd be happy to lead a discussion on the book with your team. To learn more, write us at info at or visit gettingtonimble.com. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Sales teams have CRM systems. Human resources leverage HRM systems. What about the CIO, who needs to evolve from a technology expert to a business strategist? In this digital-first world, CIOs and their CFO counterparts must ensure technology decisions are made to deliver business value. It's easier said than done. That's why Aptio, the market leader in technology business management, is committed to helping companies manage, plan, and optimize their technology spend. After all, champions of change need actionable insights they can trust. Learn more at aptio.com. And now on to the interview. Mike Hayes, welcome to Technovation. It's great to see you today. Peter, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being on a show with you. Thank you for all the positive and incredible impact you've had in the world. Oh, you're very kind to say it. We'll, we'll, we'll soon get into the remarkable impact you've had in the world in a variety of different disciplines. So the pleasure is certainly mine, Mike. Um, well, so Mike, you are, uh, as of about five months ago, the Chief Digital and Transformation Officer of VMware. And what an interesting title that is, uh, not not uh, a, a title that you find in every organization. So uh, be, be interested in having a, a bit of an overview of what that entails and what is in your purview, please. Absolutely. So the Chief Digital Transformation Officer at VMware really connects to the overall VMware mission. So maybe it's a great place to, to start there and explain how I, I plug in. You know, VMware, as most people know, it's an incredible software company that drives global productivity by accelerating our customers' own digital transformations and, and business models. You know, our, our software and our services span the spectrum, application development and modernization, modern infrastructure, you know, cloud, networking, digital, uh, digital workspace, security, you know, said differently, our, our software forms a digital foundation that just powers the applications, services, and experiences that are transforming the world. Peter, I think, you know, you, you've heard digital a million different times, a million different ways, like you're alluding to in the question. So really, the question is, what does that mean here? I think actually what's, what's interesting, I'll try to stay out of every buzzword I possibly can, I would say digital transformation really starts with vision and thinking about what the future can and should be for an organization. What, uh, what my role is, is to accelerate our transition to both set to, to software as a service 
and which is really value creation for our customers. If we can create value for our customers, everything else falls into place. And so, um, so, so my role is to, to, to basically bring together both the operations and the technology teams, technology meaning the, the technology on which we transact and, um, and help us everything from vision to strategy to execution. And, and uh, how much of that you, you mentioned uh, the impact of the customer, certainly. So very much an outside lens to this. Uh, but you also mentioned operations and technology um, uh, and th- thus some, some internal focus as well. Talk a bit about that balance between uh, the outside lens to, to your work and the internal uh, version of what you're doing as well, please. Beautiful question, because I would say that internal is the new external. So as we as we transact and and really push the envelope, things that took 10 days before, whether it's buying or trying or provisioning or turning off or expanding, you know, services via our software for for clients, it, it it really, you know, that used to be a very internal facing function. But now when we when we do all of the above, there's a really a, a very, very thin layer, if a layer at all, between what we do internally and what the customer experiences. So ultimately, I think it's about value and experience for the customer. And so like the, the, the buzzword thing, which I said I'd try to avoid, is that the back office is now the front office. Very interesting indeed. And talk a bit about, you, you began to allude to it, but I want to uh, cover it a bit more specifically. Uh, what organizations ultimately report through to you? Who are you interacting with on a day-to-day basis within VMware, please? Sure. The, the chief information officer, wonderful guy, Jason Conyard, chief data officer, Wendy Batchelder, the chief security officer, Alex Toshev. Uh, and then M&A integration and a couple of other functions that have to do with transformation. And so what we recognize is, is that it's, and I have to thank Pat Gelsinger and, and really Betsy Sutter, who kind of had this vision because I just came into this model, which I agree really strongly with, which is we, we talk about reporting lines, but I think about it just like from the SEALs. It's just one team. We're one team of people that are really kind of figuring out where do we collaborate and come together and where do we divide and conquer and, and how do we go create great things. But, uh, but, but, but really, you know, we've got the foundational data layer. We've got the, the, uh, the systems on wh- whether it's internal or the systems on which we transact. And then, of course, the, the importance of security. If we're not secure, we're, we're just like any company, a company that's not secure isn't a company. So we've grouped these things together. And then what's interesting is M&A integration, I think, is, is uh, what it's a great test case. You know, when, as we go to uh, for, with inorganic growth and we add new systems and new business models into our own, that's a great bottom up test case to see what's working, what's not. You know, you can flip switches really quickly sometimes. And then others are like, ah, that's going to be a little bit harder to kind of to turn on. And, and, and that's what that's where the work is. And so I think we talked about digital transformation. And Peter, like what used to take 10 days, how does it take 10 hours? And then how does it take 10 minutes? And how do we get to no humans touching it at all? That's really the goal. That's very interesting. Digital transformation is, is, is such a fascinating term, and it's great to get some of your perspectives on what it entails uh, within the context of VMware and within the context of the work that you're doing. Um, you know, there are aspects of digital transformation that are uh, transitional. Uh, it's like, like establishing digital marketing next to the marketing department until the point at which they become one, or digital sales and sales again to the point where they converge. Is there a aspect of the kind of work that you and your team are doing that are essentially have the goal of rendering some of it moot by virtue of it, the transition, the transformation having happened? Uh, 
Absolutely. If there's a, a large enterprise that isn't in the business of trying to make something that they do moot, I'd, I'd submit that they're not thinking forward enough. And so we're always we're always thinking about what we can, um, how we can reduce uh, effort and energy. I joke around. Twenty years in the seals, I say the L stands for lazy, uh, but, but the, it's it's a little bit of the right mindset because you know how do you do the least amount of work to achieve your goal? Because that go back to econ one hundred and one, that gives you an option. It lets you do either more work or t- or leisure. And so that's what we're trying to do at VMware is find the most efficient and fastest path to the goal. And um, it, and ultimately, it, it, again, it boils down to the team coming together to do that. You alluded to the fact that uh, a lot of what you're doing is also enabling this broader SaaS transition that's happening across the organization. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that that transformation as well, and and maybe a bit more substance of the strategy that you've been developing here in your first several months in the company. Absolutely. And so, like I said, this is a, a business model where I've been coming up the curve as fast as I possibly can. I, I don't purport to be an expert on every aspect of VMware yet. It's a it's a real institution and legacy with a, a wonderful history. And so, but what I what I do know is this, is that as we pivot to software as a service, the world is moving to consumption as a service. It's It allows, and, and, it, and it fits our corporate goals. Our goal is our customer's goals. And so, you know, really, if if um, if we go back to the concept of flexible uh, flexible inputs and outputs for our customers, that's what we want to be able to do. If they want to consume, you know, they might buy X, but they might need to consume three X of something or point three X. Our job is to help them land on that three X or that point three X as best for them. And so, how do we think about? the way to get the customer what what they need. And so so ultimately the other part of us tr- uh, pivoting to SaaS is is really goes back to that data foundation and thinking about how do we have better insights? How do we think about, you know, customers will have their own view on how they can go create value, but don't forget that in life all of the risk and the opportunity is in that unknown unknown quadrant. And so we, as an outside set of eyes and ears and, and, and brains thinking on a problem, are trying to think about ways that we can create more value for a customer that they may not even see. You know, I, I was on a call with a, a friend who's a, a really senior person at a large bank just about an hour and a half ago. And, and I, I told him about one set of uh, our, our, our modern application portfolio and what we do there. And he said, I didn't even know you guys did that. You know, and so I, I think to myself, how do we do a better job in our SaaS transformation to use um, our own technology to say, hey, here to, to bring forward ideas and concepts to the customer? Because if we bring a customer 10 ideas, if eight of them are bad, no big deal. We've lost just a little bit of time talking about eight ideas. But then when two of them are, are great, then, then that's really where, where the home run is. And, and the thing is, how do we do that in the most efficient and easy way so that it's not a very manual process. And so that SaaS transformation, Peter, is really designed to help us ultimately think about the entire customer lifecycle, which begins with idea generation. That's great. Uh, just last month, uh, your your book, Never Enough, A Navy SEAL Commander on Living a Life of Excellence, Agility, and Meaning came out. Congratulations on that accomplishment. Um, in that book, uh, you as a uh, former, as you mentioned, uh, a couple of decades in the Navy SEALs, former commander of SEAL Team 2, 
uh, you talk a bit about your, the lessons from the many different walks of life that you've had and the application to your readers uh, about excellence, agility, and meaning to their personal and professional lives. Uh, maybe take a quick moment and talk a bit further about the some of those those very lessons, if you would. Thank you for asking. And, and I would also just emphasize that I'm donating all of my profits from this book to a 501c3 I started. So I just want the anybody listening to understand that I'm not personally profiting from this. It's all going to a really, really awesome cause. The uh, I, like every seal of my era, have buried uh, just way too many friends, uh, uh, you know, upwards of 40 friends. And, um, and so now it, it is really about meaning and impact. And what I love about VMware is that VMware also thinks about meaning and impact. Ultimately, life is about uh, a mission and the meaning and the impact that you derive from, from that and or being oriented more for others than self. You know, it's funny because when uh, when I, I go to some of these you know networking events to try to help people who are earlier on in their careers, they a lot of times the mistake people make is that they look at it like a an opportunity to go get a business card from somebody who's more senior than them and, and think very transactionally. And I try to reorient the thinking. I try to orient people to say, no, a network is a group of people in whom you invest, in, who you help when there's nothing in it for for you. And then not so mysteriously, when you need something, that's the group you call. And there's all kinds of people and energy waiting to come back and help you. So ultimately, Never Enough is a, is a story that is part memoir, part business, part leadership, part inspiration, combination of stories from 20 years in the SEALs, uh, two different White Houses that I worked in where I ran policy and strategy reporting to the National Security Advisor who reports to the president. So I was in a, a pretty senior role there. And then, um, and then at this point, 10 years in the private sector, I, I feel, Peter, a really, uh, 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 I'll say a just candidly, a heavy obligation to give back. I've been very, very fortunate in life, you know, to live, to, to do some things well, but to also do th live through some hard situations that, that, uh, that I, of course, wish would have or could have gone better. And, and ultimately, it's about capturing what's there in, in, in that life and, and sharing it with others and in the, in the idea to try to help pull people up. I like to say that we're the average of the people we hang out with. Uh, I always have spent my life trying to hang out with people like you who are smarter, faster, stronger, more experienced. And, uh, and I learn. But then also, I, I, take, I, I also like to try to, in those rooms, share what I have so I can pull other people up as well. Well, thank you so much for your service, uh, Mike. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I also wanted to ask you, as somebody who has such had such varied experiences uh, in the military, in government, uh, and now in the private sector for the past decade, I'm curious about what you uh, and forgive a rather broad question. Obviously, you'll take this where you where you believe it to be most meaningful. But you have a lot to draw from in your toolkit, so to say. Uh, unlike a uh, somebody who who begins junior in an organization and rises to a senior role in that very same organization. The things you've seen, the things you've done, uh, the inferences you can make, the analogies you can draw are so much richer or at least broader than the average person. Talk a little bit about how you think about that and some of the advantages that that breadth has brought to you in your career. Thank you. I, I think, Peter, the best way to do it is with a story. We all like stories a lot better than just uh, theoretical answers. You know, when I, I applied for a program called the White House Fellowship, which is a, the a really, really awesome year, 3,000 applicants-ish per year, and then gets winnowed down ultimately through a series of interviews down to a class of about 14. I was a White House fellow in 2008. And then you get placed somewhere in the executive branch for a year. When I interviewed at the, at the National Security Council, a guy named Jim Jeffrey, who was a deputy national security advisor, said, hey, Mike, this is a real position. You're, I'm interviewing two other people 
who literally have, you know, decades and decades of experience in Washington, D.C. You've been here for five minutes or less. You know, you'd be responsible for all of our international treaties, like literally every international treaty would, would roll up to you in this portfolio. Tell me, for example, what do you know about the START Treaty? And I looked with deadpan seriousness and I said, Ambassador Jeffrey, I know how to spell it. <laughs> and uh, and I think he was taken aback. But, you know, I think the humility of knowing what you don't know is really, really critical. And then, uh, Peter, I'll tell you on day seven or something like that, I ran my first meeting in the White House Situation Room. I'll make the story fast. The we we uh, I, I basically helped bring us together to to create a new treaty. I flew to Moscow and negotiated that treaty across the table from the Russians with a, a, a large group that was smarter than me on almost every issue. But um, but but nonetheless, I think about what um, what I learned from situations like that. You know, a, 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 I'll draw one more kind of extension of that story a year or so later, or maybe six months or so later. The, the transition happened. And I was one of the only people, if I think the only person at my level that lived through the transition from Bush to Obama. And so when President Obama came in, literally on day two or three of the administration, people from Department of Defense or Energy or State would call me and say, hey, what does this mean for our policy with nuclear weapon thing X, Y, or Z? And I found myself saying, I don't have a clue. I don't know. I had to refer back to uh, speeches that President Obama had made on the campaign to say, what does he think about nuclear weapons? And I saw a couple lines that said, imagine a world without nuclear weapons. And so uh, I'll draw a couple inferences from this, this story. Number one, I already hit on, which is the humility and of knowing what you don't know and not being afraid as a leader to stand in front of a room and raise your hand and say, I don't know, but I have a lot of smart friends who know how to figure this out. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is really having that big picture thinking about what's the vision. So the President Obama's statement on imagine a world without nuclear weapons, look, we're never going to achieve that being realistic. However, it shows directionally what, what, what pressure we're trying to go on. Now, when I think about back office at VMware, there's an, a, a very, very clear connection to that, that same concept. What, um, you know, how do we have a world with uh, no humans touching the transaction to help our customers come to life and get what they need? And so, look, it'll take us a long, long effort to get to zero, but directionally putting that pressure on us to constantly use, whether it's automation or just better creative thinking or better systems or technology to get there. That's the pressure that I need to exert in an organization in order to get us moving the right direction. So, um, the other, the third thing I would say is really um, about uh, finding the right balance between collaboration and just making a decision and moving on. Uh, I, I could that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. I want that's an obvious uh, high level statement. And then the last thing I would say is where decision making lives in an organization is critically important. As we, t I'm sorry, my answer is going really long. I got one more one more touch on this, Peter. But the uh, the the decision making. Con, uh, point is so important because in these large enterprises, if you don't have clarity around where decisions are going to be made, you will introduce friction and churn into your organization because people will not be not have not be sure of who, who has what decision rights. Mm -hmm. So creating the clarity at the enterprise level is critically important. And so I saw that in the White House Situation Room many, many dozens and dozens, or maybe a hundred times, I don't know. So creating clarity around who in the Department of Defense or state or energy or in the intelligence community gets to make what decision where uh, was, was something I learned. It wasn't always done right, but I learned that it should be done right. 
And then I bring that to a place like VMware. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, you, you have uh, worked within some organizations that have really interesting cultures. The, the SEALs, of course, have their own uh, very specific culture. You, you, you've uh, uh, lived through a couple of different administrations, each of them with their own culture. Of course, every organization has its own uh, its own culture, naturally. Uh, within business, one of those, though, that is most um well, certainly most uh, publicized and uh, it's probably too much to say extreme is Bridgewater, a company, uh, a, a, a investment management firm founded by Ray Dalio uh, and the, the, the principles of which are covered in a, in a book by that very name by him, a terrific book. Uh, you were his chief of staff and went on to become chief operating officer of the organization. And it's a, it's a company that uh, practices radical candor. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious what it was like to go from your prior experiences and then going into the private sector into this organization where, uh, there is, it, it, the, the feedback is so transparent and so direct. Was there, was there a, uh, uh, much of a transition period? Did it take some getting used to for you? Fabulous question. I'll start by saying it's perfectly right and accurate what you said about being extreme. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it is extreme. Uh, I, and I also will tell you, say that I'm so glad that I, I spent four years at Bridgewater. It's an incredible organization. Some of the densest human capital, de- like the, the, the more, more talented human capital in that organization than many places. So I consider myself really fortunate to have spent time there. Ray Dalio learned a ton from him. And then, you know, Greg Jensen, Dave McCormick, I could go on with like the, the leaders of, of Bridgewater to this day are some of really close friends of mine. And I, I have tons of respect for them. Um, I'm, I'm also really, really glad that I met VMware. It's a, it, it's a, but, but answer your question on Bridgewater. Uh, the, look, in the SEALs, Peter, when, it, when we go on an operation and I'm leading a team, I have to have a culture where that 22-year-old SEAL raises his hand and says, sir, I don't think you're thinking about that the right way. We can, we can assume less risk if we do X, Y, Z. I'd rather that younger SEAL speak up and do that a hundred times out of a hundred. And if he's wrong 98 times, I'll take that because the two times that he's right will, will potentially save a life. So uh, also when we're done with these operations and, and it could look like the front page of the New York Times, what's really important to me isn't, isn't talking about all the things that went right. I like to talk about the things that, that didn't go right because that's where the highest ROI on our, on our time is. You know, that's, um, that's where the, that's where the learning, the future learning for the organization comes from. And so like when, when, um, and that's what, so when I came to Bridgewater, it really is, uh, an, an idea meritocracy. How do you, uh, identify, how do you idea generate as many things as you can about different ways to do things, put that on the table and then, and then have the best idea rise to the top. Look, when you're trying to make money in markets, the only way you make money is by doing the things that the crowd isn't doing. And so the things that the markets have priced in, you know, you have to, you know, if you just go follow the crowd, you're, you're not going to win more than 50% of the time and you're not going to be an institution. And so uh, a lot of parallels on when you talk about radical uh, transparency and candor, look, I think direct conversations are really the only way to be. I used to have an expression, it's a, it'll sound a little bit uh, raw, but I'll just say it. But in the SEALs, I used to say, never stab a guy in the back stab him in the heart, you know, and that wasn't meant literally, obviously, but it was like, my, my thing was like, you, you can't talk behind people's backs. Let's, we don't get better that way. And so, you know, that was what we, um, what that's, that's really, I genuinely deeply think that, that, um, 
that, that, you know, failure is only failure if you fail and don't learn. If you fail and learn, you've just succeeded and you feed, you have those feedback loops. It's just like in creating our, our products at VMware. If we don't have feedback loops, we will not, we will not exist. You know, and so, so pr- when we're looking at for product market fit in, in, in being responsive to what the ever changing world needs, we have to have those feedback loops in our, in our products. And so that's just one more connection between the seals and, and Bridgewater and VMware. Well, Mike Hayes, thank you so much for such an interesting conversation covering the many different walks of life in which you've been tremendously influential. Thank you again for your service. And thank you very much for spending time with me today. Peter, thank you so much. And I really appreciate all you've done. And thanks for bringing up the the book Never Enough also. That was very kind of you. And uh, and again, I appreciate all that you've done.